Well, good morning, church. I just want to start by mentioning that we're in the middle of grad season right now. And so sometime in the last two weeks, our grade 12 students have all walked across the stage in a cap and in a gown, and, uh, and they've received their diplomas, and that's very exciting. And as a church, we, uh, we want to honor that. And so next Sunday evening, we are hosting a banquet on behalf of our grads. And I just want to let you know that because if you want to come, you need to let me know today because we're actually having it catered and we need to know numbers and that sort of thing. So just start by mentioning that. Uh, but today, this morning, we're actually going to be talking about the topic of truth. And truth, uh, to me, is a big and intimidating topic. Um, it's a little bit scary when I found out that that's what I was going to be talking to you guys about. And so naturally, I did what any 20-something would do. I got on my computer, and I typed truth into Google to see what the results would say. And in particular, I looked at the news articles that came up. And I noticed this trend within these articles. Uh, an article would claim truth about some sort of controversial issue, but then soon after you would find another article that would claim a seemingly contradictory truth, or that would say that the first article was in fact wrong and had actually been telling you lies. And so, for instance, there was an article that said that Vladimir Putin is telling the truth about his intentions for Ukraine. Uh, but of course, there were many other articles that said that Putin, in fact, is just full of lies and isn't telling any truth at all. And so if you just look at these articles, you wouldn't know what to believe. You wouldn't know what was, in fact, true. And uh, this pattern continued for many different topics. And then at the bottom of the search results, there was another article that had a headline which I think summed it up pretty well. It said, on the internet, lies spread faster than truth. And you know, I think it might be right. And so I think it's no wonder that in a postmodern world, people are becoming increasingly skeptical about truth. And many would say that it is actually impossible to know truth at all. And I think this is unfortunate because I believe that our understanding of truth actually affects our entire worldview and consequently it affects the way that we live our lives. And so if there is no truth, well then why does it matter how I live? Why does it matter how I act and how I behave? And so this morning we're going to be looking at the writings of John. We're looking at the Gospel of John and the letters of John, in particular, 1 John. Because John actually talks quite extensively about the subject of truth. I'll set this up for reading for you from John chapter 18. And here we have a dialogue between Jesus and Pilate, the Roman governor, shortly after Jesus has been arrested. And in John 18, verses 37 and 38, Jesus says this. Jesus says, For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. 
And then Pilate responds with a question. What is truth? What is truth? That question is one that John deals with extensively throughout his writings. And John actually suggests to his readers that the truth can be known. He suggests that the truth is not uncertain. The truth is not impossible to discover. But truth has actually been revealed. It's actually been made known. And John is able to say this because John does not define truth simply as a series of facts or of ideas. But John actually defines truth as a person. In particular, he defines truth as the person of Jesus Christ. And so we have John 14, 16. And in this verse, Jesus makes a proclamation. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth. Notice that Jesus doesn't simply say, I know the truth, or I have the truth, or, or even I tell the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And so, we can know the truth because the truth has been given to us in the person. And so, if we want to know the truth, we can't only be concerned about having the right knowledge, about believing a certain set of facts or ideas. But if we want to know the truth, then first and foremost, we need to know the person of Jesus Christ. Now, just to make sure you're hearing me correctly, I'm not saying that facts aren't important. I'm not saying that knowledge isn't important and believing the right things isn't important. Those things are actually very important. Um, And you see that in many places throughout the New Testament. Um, And as a church, we've actually taken hold of that and we've come up with 12 uh, what we believe statements. These are statements that we believe are facts, that they are true, and that they're central to who we are as a church. And so if you don't know what those 12 things are, I would, I would actually encourage you to look them up and to see what they are. Um, you can find them on our website, calgarycfc.com. I'm sure if you were to ask any of the staff or the elders, we'd be able to, to give you a copy of that as well. Uh, so it's important to know what we believe and to know what the facts are. But I think John is saying that we can't just have that. We actually need something more. If we want to know the truth, then we need to know Jesus. And so there's a sense in which we can change the question in John from what is truth to who is truth. Because truth isn't just a set of ideas, it's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Now what does that mean? What does it mean that truth is a person? Well, I'll attempt to explain it to you in kind of two points here. The first point is this. It's that the truths which are really important in John, the ones that are most central, are the truths about Jesus. And so, especially in John's first letter, 1 John, John defines truth in relationship to Jesus. And he does this by opposing truth and lies. And so John's very explicit in saying that the liar, the person who is opposite the truth, the person who opposes the truth, is the person who denies that Jesus is the Christ. 
And so John 2, 22 says this, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist because he denies the Father and the Son. So truth is truth about Jesus. I think um, an author, Jay Ginn, summarized this point pretty well when he said this, and I quote. He says, In John, truth is the truth about Jesus, about who he is and why he came to earth. It's the truth represented by his decision to come to earth, to take the form of a man, to show us God in the flesh, and to die for our sins. It is not unreasonable to say that truth is the gospel. That is, it is the good news about Jesus Christ. So point one, the central truths are the truths about Jesus. But point two, I think, actually goes even beyond that. Because point two is this. It's that if we want to know the truth, then first and foremost, we need to know the person of Jesus Christ. And we need to get to know him. And we need to be in relationship with him. We need to be in fellowship with him. And this happens by the Spirit. Jesus is very explicit about saying that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And as such, we should expect that the Spirit's going to be teaching us about who Jesus is. And that the Spirit is going to be leading us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so in John, we see that the question starts as, what is truth? But then it moves to, who is truth? And I think there's actually one more movement. And John actually goes a little bit further, and he says, it's not just who is truth, but what are you going to do with that truth? How are you going to live that truth? And so we have John 17, verse 17, which says this. It says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And notice again here that John equates truth and Jesus. He says, and Jesus actually says, Your word is truth. And we know that in John, he begins by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so in John, the Word is Jesus. And so when Jesus says, your Word is truth, Jesus is saying, I'm truth. Jesus is truth. But I want to look now at the first part of this verse, where it says, sanctify them by your truth. In other words, change them. Change the believers. Transform them. Set them apart. Make them more like Jesus. And do this by your truth. Do this through the transforming power of Jesus and the spirit of truth that you have given to them or or are going to give them. Truth and the spirit of truth are to sanctify believers. They're to change the way that we live and to change the way that we act. Now, I think there's a lot of consequences to this. There's a lot of ways in which having the truth should change the way we live. But John emphasizes one way in particular. And that way is love. And in particular, love for our brothers and for our sisters. Love for one another. And so we have 1 John 3 
verses 16 through 19. They say this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us love not with words or with tongue, but with actions and in truth. And this, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth. John's saying, walking in the truth, living in the truth, means loving one another. And Jesus, who is the truth, he showed us this love by laying down his life for us. And so now, if we have the truth within us, by his spirit, the spirit of truth, well, then now we, too, should be walking in that truth and loving our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And you know what? I think this, this just makes sense. As I was reflecting on this this week, I thought back a couple years to my last year of Bible college when I did an internship. And I did my internship in the town of Yellowgrass, Saskatchewan. A uh, small little town, probably four or 500 people. And all of Saskatchewan is pretty flat, but I'm pretty sure that Yellowgrass is the flattest spot in all of Saskatchewan. And so I end up there for eight months working with this church. And uh, in Yellowgrass there, there was one particular family. And in particular, there was the mother of this family. Um, and during my eight or so months there, there was probably four or five times where this family faced what I would call crises or tragedies in their life. And so, for example, during my first month or two there, their kids, the oldest of which would would have been in junior high, probably about 13 years old, their kids got in the vehicle, the family vehicle, and decided to take it for a drive. And you can guess that this didn't end well, 13-year-old driving, and ended up getting in an accident, crashing the car. Now, fortunately, the kids escaped with only minor injuries, and and they turned out to be fairly okay. But nonetheless, this was still a fairly negative moment in this family's life. And it was just the first of a series of events that would happen uh, to this family. But you know what I noticed is that whenever one of these moments would happen in this family's life, is the place that they turned was to the church. And as I thought about this, and as I reflected on this, I thought, you know what the reason is that they would always turn to the church? It's because they saw that that church was a church of love. It was a church where people loved one another. And you know, after that first tragedy, when they came to the church, they found that they too were loved, and they too were accepted. And you know, unfortunately, sometimes in a small town, that's not always what happens. Sometimes the negative things about a person, uh, those words can spread quickly, and it can be hard to find acceptance. But this family found acceptance, and this family found love in the church. And you know, as I I thought about the words of Jesus, Jesus says, this is how they're going to know that you are my disciples. 
It's because you love one another. And I saw that there. I saw that there. Now, unfortunately, I know that this doesn't always happen and that this isn't always easy. I can think back for myself just about two or three weeks ago when I was working on writing this sermon. And it was a Friday. And on Fridays, I tend to be here at the building by myself. And many of you know that one of the things that we do as a church is we feed the homeless. And so on any given weekday, we might have, I don't know, maybe half a dozen homeless people come and and we'll give them a lunch, we'll give them some food. Uh, But this particular Friday was like nothing I have ever seen when it comes to feeding the homeless. There were probably a dozen or more in the course of less than an hour. It was just constant. They kept coming. And so I would, I would be reading, trying to prepare for this sermon, and the doorbell would go. And so I would go, and I would find that there's a homeless person there. They would ask for a lunch. I'd go grab them a lunch. I'd bring it to them. Uh, they'd go on their way. I'd go, I'd sit down. I'd be about to start reading again, and there's the doorbell. And this went on and on for, for at least an hour. And I found that I was quickly becoming frustrated. I was quickly becoming annoyed with these people. Like, why don't you just leave me alone? I'm trying to do some work here. I'm trying to work on a sermon, and I'm trying to talk about God's love. And then somewhere in there, God just, he got a hold of me, and he said, Dustin, you're writing a sermon here about truth and about love, and you're so concerned about what you're going to say and about how you're going to say it. But right here, I've given you an opportunity where you can actually live it where you can actually love these people. And that's hard. That's hard. That's not always easy. But that's what God wants us to do. And so the question is, how can we do that? How can we walk in the truth? How can we live lives of love? Well, I believe if we're going to do that, we need to know the truth. And we need to be in relationship with the truth, which means being in relationship with Jesus. And so that's why, as a church, over the, over the last few months and the last year or so, we've really focused on this idea of spiritual disciplines. And that's because when we pray, when we read our Bibles, when we spend time with other Christians, other believers, or when we spend time in silence listening to God, or any of these other disciplines that we've talked about, well, these are ways that we actually draw closer to Jesus. These are ways that we allow the spirit of truth to take hold of our lives and to bring us closer to the truth. And so my challenge to you today is that you would allow the spirit of truth to live in you and allow him to work in you to become someone who loves. And you can start by loving the people in this auditorium right here, right now. So that the world will look and the world will say, look at the Calvary Church of Christ. That's a church, that's a place where people love each other. That's a place where people care for each other. 
That's a place that's full of truth and that's full of love. And I want to be a part of that. And you know, I saw glimpses of that in Saskatchewan. And I've definitely seen glimpses of that here as well. There have been times that we're great at loving each other. Um, But it's also somewhere we can continue to grow. And something that we can continue to strive for. And so I pray and I challenge you to allow the Spirit to take hold of your life and allow him to guide you into truth and into love. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you're a God that wants to be known. Thank you that you're a God that has shown yourself to us, that you revealed the truth to us. And God, I just pray that that your spirit would be working in all of us, that the spirit of truth would allow us to live lives that reflect that truth, lives where we love one another. May this happen in us by your spirit, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.